0: Well, hallelujah, blessed be the Lord forever, amen, hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> back when uh, we knew that my uh, Pastor Mike was going on sabbatical, then uh, we came up with a preaching schedule, and when that preaching schedule came up, <clears throat> immediately, and I saw where my name was, I thought, right away, it came the Gospel of John, somewhere in the middle, so I didn't know exactly, but I knew I was going to preach out of the Gospel of John. And then, uh, two weeks ago, Glenn preached on uh, John 17, about unity. Did a, a beautiful, beautiful rendition on unity. And he actually stole my title, <laughs> that the world may believe. So I had to alter that. And now my title is, I think it's, I was there. I saw, and I believed. So we see that John is is uh, it's different than the rest of the Gospels. There's 21 chapters, and a lot of times uh, we have when we introduce the Bible to a new believer, we use the Gospel of John. It includes so many things. There's, you see, you see the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. You see when He gathered His disciples. Uh, so the story is really quite complete. And it's not like the synoptic Gospels—Matthew, Mark, and Luke—they're more orderly uh, event placed in sequence and things like that. But John's Gospel was actually written later, quite a bit later. In fact, uh, most of the Gospels were written. Uh, probably in the year around 60 AD, and where John's was maybe more in the 90 A.D. and also John he wrote with a, he wrote with a, such a passion because he was a, a witness and he, was, he had such passion and, and so it, it wrote a, he wrote quite a bit different than the other ones and we can see this and we 're going to look at first uh, John put that up on the screen, if you would. And this is what 1 John tells us. What was from the beginning... Now, now, if you can imagine John telling us this. He's, let's say he's telling a group of people. They're actually writing us in letter, but he's telling a group, he's saying, what, we, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed, we touch with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed... If we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and what was revealed to us, can't you just see him saying, we we stayed in the same places he stayed. We ate with him, we slept, we 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 everything, we did everything with him. And what we've seen and heard, we're going to declare to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. He wants to share that. And he's just so passionate about that. And see, he, he concludes that a little bit. He says, we're writing these things. Why? So that your joy may be complete. So this story that John is relating to us, I want this joy to be complete. Later on, he says, "He says, the joy that we have, we want you to have. It'll be complete, complete joy. Well, some of the highlights of John, the Gospel of John, I'll just... I'll just go through here real quick. In, uh, in John 1, as the Word became flesh, we've read that. John the Baptist bore witness. And in the uh, second chapter, he turns water into wine. He drove the money changers out of the temple. He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it. In John 3, he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And uh, he said, he is above all. He said, believe in the Son, you'll have eternal life. John 4, he spoke with a Samaritan woman, that's the woman at the well, and she said, can this be the Christ? And of course, she proclaimed that, and many came to Christ, and also he healed an official son. John 5, he healed a man of Bethesda. Uh, the son, he, he proclaims only what the Father is doing. My works in the Scriptures bear witness. John 6, he, he fed 5,000. He walked across the sea. He says, I am the bread of life. Uh, he says, my, f- my flesh is true food. And in John 7, he says, he went to the feast. The people said, is this the Christ? Uh, The chief priest tried to arrest him. And in 8, it says that he uh, didn't condemn a woman who was caught in adultery. The Pharisees questioned him. And he told them, this is, if God were your father, you would love me. John 9, he healed a blind man in the Sabbath. The Pharisees, they got all mad about that again. And they called the man and threw him out. A guy gets healed, you throw him out. They can see the deception they already had in their heart. And he said, I came that the blind may see. In verse 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I gave my life for the sheep. Again, he's being asked, are you the Christ? Are you the one? John 11 is where Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out. And, of course, the chief priests, when they heard this, they wanted to put Jesus to death. Isn't that amazing? And they want to kill Lazarus, too. Verse 12. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, this is your Palm Sunday, the crowd shouted, Hosanna. And then he, he said, um, uh, the Son of Man must be lifted up, and I have come to save the world. Thirteen, John washed the disciples' feet. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And this is when he recognized that Judas was going to be betraying him. And he told them, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And he will give you the Holy Spirit. 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, you are, you are my friends, and if you do what I command you, you will be persecuted, and they are going to persecute you just like they persecuted me. John 16, the Spirit will convict the world of sin. He proclaimed proclaim the Holy Spirit coming. He will guide you into all the truth. Your sorrow will turn to joy. I am going to the Father. 17, Father, I have revealed your name uh, to those who you gave me. Sanctify them in the truth. May all who believe uh, in me be one. 18, Judas betrayed Jesus to the chief priest. Peter denied him. He was sent before Pilate. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. 19, the soldiers took Jesus and crucified him, and he said, it's finished. He gave up his spirit. The soldier pierced his side with a spear. Mary went to the tomb, found it empty. Jesus met her, came and stood among the disciples and revealed himself. And this is the story of Thomas where he doubted, but later he said, my Lord and my God. Verse 21, Jesus appeared to the disciples when they were fishing. said to Peter, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep. This was the test, the testifying of the disciple John. You know, we look back and we can believe. We can see all the things that happened. It's right in front of us, right in our Bible. You know, but they had to go through, they they had trouble relating the Old Testament, that's all they had. They had trouble relating that to the present. Here's this man that's going around healing and doing all these signs. We see it very clear clearly, but they didn't. And he had to tell them over and over and over who he was. You know, they were looking... <clears throat> There was a lot of fear, doubts, and they had a lot of misunderstandings. Such as the Savior, they thought, would be a mighty leader, a mighty military commander, or a king. And they certainly did not connect Jesus and the Father as one. That was incomprehensible. And we'll see as we look at some of this, he says, over and over, I and the Father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he says, "I'm leaving, and I'm coming back." And, and he, you know, and said, "Well, you're leaving, but you know, and then you're coming back again. Why are you leaving?" And they're going to put him to death. And they said, oh, "Wait a minute! You came on the scene here, and you've done all these miraculous things, and now they're going to they're going to kill you. You're leaving. You're going to die." We don't get this. So I just imagine you and I reading the Old Testament, trying to just, that's all we had. And many times we see, as we walk through the New Testament, they say, is this the Messiah? Is this the prophet? Is this the one? Is this this our Redeemer? Even John the Baptist, after he saw all the miracles, and he was in prison, no, and he asked, he told his disciples, you know, go and find out if this is the real one. He was, he was already honoring Jesus. This is the beloved son, who am I? Well, uh, believe, please, he heard that. He heard the Heavenly Father say that. But yet he, there was that doubt, like, what if he's not the one? And then Jesus told him, just, just, just tell John, look at all the miracles that were done. No one can do them but God himself. And I'm doing them. I and the Father are one. So let's just look a little bit closer. <clears throat> we're going to look at John 13, <clears throat> the Gospel of John. And in this, this, in this, uh, here we see uh, the foot washing uh, uh, of the disciples. And I'm just going to read just a little bit of reading here. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. But now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Just a little side note here. Here it says, now that's through a thought process or something, but it says later on in the chapter, it says he entered into Judas. We can really learn a spiritual lesson there, that it starts with our thought life. And if we're not careful, that's why the Bible says to renew your mind. Keep your mind renewed. Guard your thoughts, the Lord always says. Guard your heart. Verse 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. Then he came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet. 7, it says, Jesus answered him, what I'm going to do right now, you ain't going to realize it, but afterwards you're going to understand. And Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. If I don't wash you, Jesus said, you'll have no part of me. If I can't touch you, if I can't do what I have to do to you, you can't have any part of me. And of course, then Peter says, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Let's just do something here. Put your hands out like this. Put your hands out like that. If you're, if you're holding a baby, none under the baby. But with your hands out, you can't do nothing. You cannot do anything. You can't, any, you can't do a thing about your righteousness. Not one thing. You're in a receiver mode. If you were a fighter, you would be defenseless. You can't defend defend yourself. All you can do is receive. You're in a position to receive, to have it drawn to you. That's all we can do. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell tell Peter. He said, you know what? If you can't receive this, you can't be part of me. He goes on. And he said, One who is bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. He's completely clean. You're clean, but not all of you. And he was talking about uh, Judas was going to betray him. Verse 12 says, When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your teacher, your Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another. So I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. The messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. You know, I I, I dwelt on that quite a bit when I was preparing the sermon. I thought, you know, I, I don't ever want to be a preacher that brings... Attention to me. I want the message to be of him. I want him to be glorified. And a lot of times, if we don't do that, our our, our messages fall flat. And so he as he as the as the <coughs> servant uh, as a servant or acted as a servant was something that they weren't they had never seen because foot washing was slave work totally 100. percent They usually had a like a slave girl or something. And they were they were hired by a family, and she washed the feet. It was usually a a young girl. She washed the feet, and they would be, you know, walking, feet touching the earth, getting dirty. And okay, you come into a house. There's the there's the bowl. There's the basin. Here comes the girl. She washes the feet. That was not anything they had ever thought of him doing. This is the one that's saying, I and the Father are one. This is the one that's doing all the miraculous things. And you're going to wash my feet? Yes, I am. And what we're seeing here is we see the mightiest acting as the lowliest. Totally an act of love. I'm going to turn here to Colossians real quick. In Colossians uh, chapter 1, Verses 15 and 17, 15 through 17, says, this is talking of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the in- invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and, and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things Together. This is the one that was on his knees washing the feet. So it gives us an example of you can be the most powerful entity in the world, but because of love, you can stoop down and wash one another. This was the example that he's showing us in, in chapter 13. Not because of inferiority. but just because of love. You can take that position. There's also a spiritual analogy there. You know, when, when, he told, uh, when he told Peter that you're clean. Well, we know that because of the blood of Christ that we are clean. Our, our sins are, are washed away. But yet we have to renew our mind. Because our mind, just like our feet on a dirty ground, our mind are being subjected all the time. To evil things, things that are not godly, we have to reach that we have to wash that. it actually it says in hebrews nine fourteen it says our, our minds need to be purged, and our conscience is purged from an evil conscience from dead works, so that we can serve the living God. great example that he used now we can look at john uh, John fourteen John 14, we're going to, this is familiar. It starts out, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. If not, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take it to myself, so that where I am you may be also. Very comforting. We use that for funerals all the time, right? That's a common verse. But this was, this was a different scenario here. Um, this one here, he's telling about there's going to be trouble, but I want you to believe in me. Verse 6, actually in 5, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? These types of questions were asked all the time. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, (laughs) That ought to clear a lot of things up, right? Right now, uh, either that's a lie or it's the ultimate truth, that no one comes through the Heavenly Father, the Creator, except through Jesus. End of story, right there. So, you know, we see, well, why wouldn't I take that gospel? Why wouldn't I take that gospel? Why would I go for a different gospel? Which most people, the majority of the world through the, through the centuries, have taken a different belief system. A different God, if you will. Or no God at all. And why would they do that? Well, I believe it's in Second uh, Corinthians 4, four. It says, Satan blinds the minds of those who are perishing. So he's, he's a mind blinder. Now, how does he do that? He does have a false information, false teaching. Inaccurate description of God. That's probably the, the, the big thing. An inaccurate description of who our heavenly Father is, and it started right in the garden when uh, Satan told Adam and Eve, especially Eve at the time she said you know he 's he's, he's not telling you everything he 's withholding some things from you, and that 's how it starts it 's the misrepresentation of who our heavenly Father, or doctrines of demons it talks about in, in paul 's letter to Timothy. doctrines of demons, most folks want to worship something, or they know there's a deity out there, that there's something bigger than me, and so they're going to take something. Unfortunately, Satan is right there. I'll give you something. I'll give you something to believe in, whether it's New Age or whether it's uh, uh, Eastern mysticism or something. I'll give you something. Because the human heart longs, wants a deity, and knows that. We are programmed already to be one with God. We know that. Or no God at all. That would be the ultimate. No God. You don't need him. He doesn't exist. In verse 6, also, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, a lot of times as Christians, we talk about, we talk about heaven. You know, what's heaven going to be like? Oh, it's going to be wonderful there and everything. You know, the, the Bible doesn't do a very good job of describing heaven at all. Uh, the, the, the millennium, they, they talk about the millennium a lot. Talk, you know, they're gonna, you know, animals are going to act different. You, a child can play by a snake. You know, uh, lions will eat grass. And uh, it's just way, way more descriptions. Who's going to be, uh, the Lord's going to rule and reign. Jesus himself is going to be on the earth for a thousand years but we don't get much from heaven. About all we get is, uh well, streets of gold. About it, right? I mean, th- there's not a lot of description. It, it just tells it. it's good, but what really what really goes on there? I mean, do the flowers talk to you, or, or uh, do you astral project yourself all over? Or, uh, we really don't have a lot of description in the Bible about that. And... I think what happens here when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you know, you might look, look to heaven back here, but you, ain't, you, you can't get there. You have, to, you have to go through me. I am the way. We can't have that without him. We can't have his heaven without him as our Lord. We can't have We can't go, and I think that's why heaven isn't explained real thoroughly. Well, what is explained is that Jesus is Lord. I am the way, I am the truth. In verse 7, or verse 8, it says, uh, Philip says, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. What was Philip expecting? Show us the Father. Like, okay, just open up the heavens, give us a shot of him on the throne or something, but, but just, just show us the Father. How, how would he do that? How about 9 and 10? Jesus said this, I've been with you all this time, and you don't know me, Philip? That must have been frustrating. All the things that he's done, and they keep asking. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Well, I don't think I'd have been any different. Probably none of us would have been any different. We'd have asked the same questions and, and just been just as ignorant. Verse 10 says, don't you know, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Now, there's another spiritual thing here. What do you mean the Father lives in you? You're a man, you're on the earth, you've done all these miracles, but the Father lives in you? We know that the Father lives in heaven. How can the Father be in you? spiritual paradigm there. It's just like the Holy Spirit living in us. How does that happen? What, how, how does that happen? Same thing. <clears throat> he says, believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, at least believe in the works that I did. Just take a look at it. Check them all out. John says later on in his book, he says, there's probably so many events that happened that Jesus did, the, there couldn't be enough books in the world to hold them. So, all the things that we see recorded in John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's many, 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 many more. This is just some of them. So he says, at least believe the works. Now he says in 12 truly I tell you, the works, the work, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in in my name, Jesus, my name, I will do it. Now, greater works. There's been a lot of controversy about greater works. Jesus said, you're going to do greater works. Now, some would say, well, you know, now we have TV, we have Internet, and and everything like that. I don't think so. I think he he was talking to the disciples. He was telling them. He was telling you, they are going to do greater works. And we know through the scripture, there was many more that did greater works also. So those greater works are going to be the same works that he did in volume. Probably more. Probably way more. And there's probably things that are done today in healing ministries that Jesus didn't do. But he does them anyway. He's the healer. It doesn't make any difference. It's not us. It's him. He is the healer. So whatever miracle you see today, we don't take credit for that. It's him. It's just He just works through us. You know, a lot of times you, you see criticism about, well, you know, they think they, they have the gift of faith or they think they're, they, they can heal and all this stuff. No, no, we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus heals today, but he heals through his body. We are the hands and feet. We know that all these works did what? It says it glorified him. Everything that Jesus did glorified him. Glorified the Father. The works that we do, to do the same works, would glorify the Father also. Same works, it hasn't changed. If God, if Jesus, uh, if the Heavenly Father was glorified back then, he would be glorified today by the same works. Verses 14 and 15, it says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. There's a spiritual walk here we need to look at. And we can't just blurp out his name and think it's going to happen. There is a spiritual walk that we have to have so he can transfer that through us. We need to have... Uh, a full cognizance of Christ in us the hope of glory sometimes that 's a huge process for some of us. Thank you for salvation lord that that 's immediate the minute we confess our sins and trust him as Lord and Savior john sixteen John 16, I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. Now, they're going to ban you from the synagogues, and in fact, the time is coming when someone anyone kills you, they think they're offering a service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known me or the Father. I have told you these things so that when their time comes, they were, uh, you will remember what I told you, and, and I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now that I'm going away uh, to him who sent me, And not one of you asked me where you're going. Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So what he's done, he's given him a reminder here. And he says, I'm going away. You're going to be banned from the synagogue. That was a huge thing because synagogues was their whole life. That was everything to him. And also, you're going to be killed. Who wouldn't have sorrow, right? But he says, I don't want you to have sorrow, he told him. Now he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you and if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, this is the counselor now. And when he comes, he's got work to do. He's going to be doing something. You know, <clears throat> we talk about, we talk about an advantage. It's an advantage that I go away. And we realize that if, if Jesus is in Bethany, he can't be in Jerusalem. So there's a limitation there. His ministry stopped wherever he was. They heard about him, they had to come to him. But but now, he says, when I go away, it's going to be to your advantage. And he says, simply because with the Holy Spirit, we have an indwelling in us, in his body. And he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will also declare to you what is to come. And he will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here we have, again, this is going to be glorifying the Father. And when the Holy Spirit comes down to the earth, what a tremendous thing is happening. You know that we today have a huge advantage over the disciples that were walking with Jesus at that time. We have his spirit indwelling on us. They didn't have it indwelling in them yet. They could only watch and see what he was doing. And if he went out, he went out on the authority of his name. But they didn't go out with an indwelling of the Holy Spirit like we can today. So then he says... Here's When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the first one he says, about sin. I think we can understand that better if we say the sin. What is the sin? We're not talking about if you steal or if you murder or commit adultery or anything like that. He's talking about the sin. I'm going to convict the world. It's not going to convict you and I or other believers. You're going to convict the world of the sin, and what is the sin? Unbelief. Not believing in Jesus. Not trusting in Jesus. We know, well, you know, a lot of times we have attributed the Holy Spirit as a condemner. Or he's a, uh, a, an accuser. You did this, or you did that. You know, he doesn't go around the earth searching for who's got sin. He's he's going around the earth seeing who has faith, see who believes in him, see who trusts him. So, a lot of times we'll attribute, "Wow, boy, the Holy Spirit really whooped up on me the other day." You know, you and I, since we're born again, we have a conscience and we have a heart, and that's all changing now. So, if you and I do something wrong. Our heart tells us if we sin. Our own heart can do that. It isn't perfect. Only the Holy Spirit talking to us is perfect. But we have a renewed mind, a renewed heart, and a renewed conscience. They're they're better. So a lot of times we we blame the Holy Spirit for for just taking us to the woodshed. Now in Hebrews 12, it talks about, you know, that he he, uh, um, chastises his children. Uh, He's a loving father. He doesn't want us to go astray. He's going to guide us. He's going to correct us. There's no question about that. What we're talking about is the sin of unbelief here. And also he comes and he's going to tell the world about righteousness. That's something that wasn't in the world before. Not this kind of righteousness. Where the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. And from all unrighteousness. Our sins have been blotted out. And he remembers them no more. That's the righteousness he's talking about. He says, I took the punishment for your sins. You are now my family. You now are my sons and daughters. You now have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're righteous now. That's the righteousness that he's going to tell the world about. And that word, convict, you know, that word has been used... You know, misuse, I would say. But it means reprove, admonish, convince, reveal, declare. A lot of times we just take it wrongly and said, Convict. I'm always convicted. I'm always convicted. How are we going to live like that? Convicted. Condemned all the time. But yet a lot of times that, that's what we, we get out of this. But he's telling the world about righteousness. He wants you to be righteous conscious, not sin conscious. Again, he's roaming the earth. He's looking for faith. He's not looking for sin. He's taking care of sin. The one remedy, it's, we, we did that today with communion. He, we celebrate that. He's taking care of our sin. We need to have a righteousness consciousness. And about judgment. I'll close with this. Judgment. He says, I went to the core of sin. I went right to Satan. I defeated him. And I have disarmed him. I have taken his hierarchy away. His fate is sealed forever. And he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. He has nothing on me. And neither does his church. has. He has nothing on his church. Nothing on us. Only if we listen to his lies and let him. He has nothing on me and those who trust in me. I want to end with this. In uh, John 20, he concludes at the end of the chapter, verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have eternal life in his name. Pray. Lord, this is what we call the gospel. Good news. Good news, Lord. Lord, we receive this with our open hearts, Lord. There is no better news than this. You said that you took all the burden. My burden is light. We receive. And Lord, we know our hearts need to change. Our, our thinking needs to change. Our minds need, be, need to be renewed. Lord, you don't tolerate sin. We know that. This doesn't allow us to sin. But it tells us how to be out of sin and how to not be in sin, Lord. That's why you're such a great Savior, Lord. Such a great Lord such a great Father. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. May we in the coming days, Lord, be more conscious of your Holy Spirit in us as, as was promised in your Scripture. Lord, this is our life. They said in Acts. In him we live and move and have our being. We want to be those kind of people, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.